1: And before I get into today's show, I just wanted to give you a couple of reminders. We have our From Porn to Grace conference in Porterville, California, coming up Saturday, April 24th from 3 to 6 p.m. And I'll be getting into what freedom and recovery looks like for those addicted to pornography or any kind of sexual sin. And talking about wives' healing issues, couples' issues, equipping Church leaders and others, group leaders, on how to help those who are struggling. And so it'll be a great time. And this is always very moving, and people are sometimes in tears. So join us um, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And that's at Porterville Adventist Church in Porterville, California. And uh, so that's April 24th on Saturday. And if you would like to help us set up a conference in your city, please shoot us an email and, and let me know. I'd love to set one up in our our new home turf here in the greater Phoenix area. So if you'd be willing to host one, that'd be great. And we've done I've done these conferences in Europe and North America, and they're a great way to really open up. The topic of porn and sex addiction in the church, and not just open it up, provide answers and healing, and and to meet others with the same struggles that that you have and that we're all faced day in this sexualized culture we live in. <clears throat> so yesterday I was out getting coffee with my daughter, and what I'm describe to you right now all happened in about one second. So as I was Approaching the counter, a family was there and – and again, this is in one second. There was a woman, a young woman, dressed in what could only be described as flesh-colored yoga pants and a flesh-colored yoga shirt. The the material and the fabric were very thin and there wasn't a left – there wasn't much left to the imagination and again, this was all in the, in the space of a second. You know, I saw it, but I kept my eyes moving and away from her because I knew that if I looked, it was going to fire up my flesh and that wouldn't be a good thing. Um, because once we fire up our flesh, what happens? We want more. Our lust is never satisfied. And once you take one look, then you want to take a longer look, then you want to keep looking and and then the next thing you know, you're... You're craving the wrong things, and so when I say "look," I mean I did not rape her with my eyes, which um, you know what that means. That that means we're looking at somebody with the intent to lust, looking them up and down. I, I did not do that. I turned away from her, and in in that split second, you, what happens is there's a transaction. I have to make a decision on how I'm going to respond to this. I can either throw myself into the pit and look her up and down or I can kill my flesh and by God's grace I made the choice to kill my flesh in that instant and, th- and that's really what walking this this road in this culture we live in is about if you want to be an overcomer. We always have to be aware of our circumstances. <clears throat> it's frustrating to me though that I have to <laughs> – to have to encounter that to that level, I mean, what the heck is she wearing that for? I mean, is she really doing that? Think um, blindly, thinking nobody's going to look, or is she wearing that wanting to see how many look? And uh, you just don't need that. And and everything was accentuated. And I'm not going to get any more than that. But I've had discussions with some women about this, and some are like, ah. You know what that's not a big deal and yoga pants are comfortable, and we like the way it feels, and nobody's gonna look and and no that that's that's not the truth at all you're gonna have um for, for men and i've heard a lot of men say you know it's it's even worse than seeing a woman naked seeing him that because um you know it fires up the lust pattern of wanting to see more and wanting to do more and and uh so that's that. And all that to say is I know that I'm not the only one that encounters this. I know that there are going to be plenty of you who are listening to my voice who have had, who have to deal with this all the time. And so this is something we should be having very open conversations because this was in a coffee shop, but I've seen this in the church, maybe not quite. To that extreme, no, not to that extreme, it's flesh-colored, basically pantyhose, but where they've got the yoga pants, and even when they've got them on, up, on, up on stage and they're wearing them, quote-unquote, worshiping God. And the problem is, um, when I worship the Lord, I don't want to be tempted to worship the wrong creation. So these are open conversations we should be having on at, at church from the pulpit. Because what is our mission? Well, it's to equip God's people to be overcomers. It's not teaching is not our mission. Teaching is a part of how we accomplish our purpose to, as a church to make disciples, to set captives free, to equip God's people to be overcomers, and what has that become a Sodom and Gomorrah? Type atmosphere and, and Sodom and Gomorrah did not have people doing the things that, that we have people doing today. I mean, we're you could easily say we're more depraved than they were at this point. And so, how can you as a church not want to equip God's people to be an overcomer in the sexual realm, especially when it's so prevalent? I really hope that. Uh, church leadership is avoiding this issue. I mean, I should say that right. I hope churches, church leadership, is not avoiding this issue because of the whole positive, encouraging, seeker-friendly. We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable mentality. Um, if that is the situation, then that's pathetic, and that's a that's a big that's a big chunk. It's a big place that we're really missing it. Today And all you got to do is read, what, Song of Solomon, where Solomon talks about his wife's breasts and basically how they turn them on. And you go to the book of Proverbs where he says, Solomon again says, um, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breasts exhilarate you at all times. Be exhilarated always with their love. And there is no reason we today in this Sodom-like atmosphere should not be talking about sexual issues and lust issues and equipping people on how to cope with them in a very clear, compelling way from the pulpit. People need this kind of, and are hungry for this type of leadership today. But <clears throat> and there, there may be some that'll say, well, um, you know, we teach the Bible verse by verse in our next uh, scheduled look at something like that it won't be until we hit whatever the book of ephesians or something that talks about less and that's not going to be for three de- three years down the line and if that's so what you're really saying is that your liturgy or how you do church has now become more important than your mission which is to set captives free and make disciples so we need to start looking at where are God's people struggling and where can we equip them and where can we come alongside them to make a difference and to live their lives in a way that counts for eternity. And and when you have the the, the amount of numbers of people in the church that are struggling with this, uh, I mean, if this was just two or three percent, then okay, maybe we can let it go for a while, but... Uh, I'm going to read some porn statistics for you in a second. And before I get into that, I just want to bring up, you know, what, what does God's word say to the person, the man or the woman who's attempted to look lustfully at another person? Because it's not just men who struggle with lust. It's women, too. And it's not just men who are tempted. Women are, too. And then the dress standard goes both ways. What does god's word say um, for women is to dress with modesty and modest apparel and and to focus on your heart, the heart that god loves and and I don't have it right up in front of me, but that's I believe that's in first Peter let uh, women dress in modesty and and then and for the men, we're told if a man even looks at a woman to less he's committed adultery and those are, from, there are some very sharp, clear, black and white <laughs> words for all of us to take a look at. And so both of us have responsibility in the church. We have a responsibility for what we do with our eyes. Uh, Job talked about he's made a covenant with my eyes. How can I look at a young virgin? And today when the young virgins are walking around or even <clears throat> the non-virgins are walking around showing a lot of flesh because here in Arizona, we're back in the 90s and and moving toward the 100s. Um, the clothes come off in public, basically, and there's a lot more flesh. So each one of us is responsible for what we do with our eyes and what we do with our heart and what we what we do with um, what's put in front of us. And at the same time, on the other side, those of us who are Christians are also responsible for how we dress do we dress to in a way that's going to provoke lust in our brothers and sisters you know we are responsible for that and so we have to look at that too from both sides and so this is not just a man's only issue or a woman's only issue it's all of us need to have to examine this and see what's going on so i'm going to read some stats on porn use in the USA before I get into today's topic is getting to the roots of the porn epidemic. Where does it begin and what can we do to start making a difference to start putting out some of those fires instead of what a lot of the churches are doing now is they wait until they have so many people walking in the door saying, I need help with this. Hmm, we better do something. And that that's damage control. We wait until the building's just about burned down before we do anything. And that's not – I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, our ministry and others out there are helping people recover and heal and restore and renew their relationships. And that's great. But don't we also want to be proactive in this game? So – I'll start with reading you these statistics. The Barna Group, a Christian research organization and Josh McDowell Ministries partnered to survey porn use among Christians and they found that 68% of church-going men and 50% of pastors viewed pornography on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% Actively search for pornography. Many teenagers are sexting. That means they're sending sexually explicit images of themselves uh, or others to friends. And sixty, what it says is in the survey is sixty-two percent of teens and young adults have received a sexually explicit image, and forty-one percent have sent one usually from or to their boyfriend or their girlfriend or a friend. Youth pastors, 64% of them confess to struggling with pornography, either currently or in the past. So we're not just talking about 1% or 2% here. We're talking about the majority of Christians in your church and in mine are at some level engaged in this stuff. I mean, when you're talking about 68% of men viewing pornography, and what they didn't come up with the survey is women viewing porn, but I've seen other numbers that have said that women in the church viewing pornography is the fastest-growing segment. It's gone from 20% of women up to 30%, but when you see those numbers where a lot of young ladies are, are sexting uh, those numbers are probably going to be getting higher. And where is this, this is beginning in the teen years? And then let's look at some other numbers. After the op- outbreak of COVID last year, Pornhub, who's the largest porn site in the world, they reported that their worldwide downloads increased by 25%. And that, that was March of 2020. And right around that time, we just got crazy busy. And with groups and counseling and phone calls and we haven't started – in fact, it's getting even busier, especially in these last couple months, which the reason why for that is when you force people into a lockdown, you force them into isolation and then the way they are going to cope with being alone is going to come out. So if your way of coping with being alone is to stuff yourself with food – chances are high you're going to be hit in the pantry. If your way of coping with loneliness is to fire up your phone and start looking at porn images, that's going to flare up, and that's exactly what happened last year and has been going strong since then. And then this points back to the extreme and the urgent need for a church that is losing its ground that is losing a foothold in the country every day to start looking at itself and get its eyes off what the outside world is doing for a few moments and look at us and look at where you've been corrupt and where we are falling into sin and where we've become whitewashed tombs. And so if we don't start looking at ourselves, we're going to continue to lose our salt and lose our countries. This is not just an American thing. This is all over the world is happening. And I saw one survey that said that only 7% of churches have any kind of program to help those who are, who are in sexual sin, not just those who are in it, but also the spouse. And, and programs for those who are in the spouse, the wives, are even fewer and further between, and they're not asking that question, which is not unusual. The wives, unfortunately, always get left out. And so at at Blazing Grace, we emphasize healing for the wives as much, sometimes even a little bit more than the husband, because if the wife doesn't heal, the marriage can still be lost. Uh, Google Trends has shown for years that the states with the highest populations of evangelicals have the most searches for sex-related terms. So you're talking the Bible Belt in the southeast, uh, you get a lot of searches for porn down there. You talk in Utah, <laughs> where they're coming up with laws to restrict pornography on phones, and they have some of the highest searches for sex and porn in the country. So, what does that tell you? That tell you, tells you that the American church is one of the porn in- industry's biggest customers. And are we owning up to that? And what this should do is should break our heart. It should cause us to be crying out to God and say, Lord, what do we do? How do we open this up? And that's what we do. We, you know, I go and speak in churches, and I'll talk very clearly, and I'll equip people, and that's what we're doing on this radio show. But you got to open it up. you got to stop running from this stuff. Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined every month. And then here's where I'm going to get into for the rest of this show. The average age a child is first exposed to porn, this was from Barna's, no, this is another survey, is age 11. 94% of kids will see porn by age 14. Another survey showed that 77% of boys and girls from grades 8 to 12 admitted to watching pornography on their mobile phones. Laptops, tablets, websites, and her CDs. And so this is the roots of the porn epidemic. Most of the men that we talk to who come to us for help, I would say got hooked on porn somewhere between the ages of 8 and 10. Think about that for a second. 8 to 10 is when they got their first exposure. I had a mom call me a while back, whose seven-year-old daughter who just had just gotten her first exposure to pornography on her dad's smartphone. So dad is a porn addict, and then he's already corrupting his family, and the mom was distraught, and what do I do, and, and how do I deal with this? And, and so we've got to start. Parents, I want you to hear me loud and clear. If you have not had the sex talk with your kid... And they're eight years old, it's getting to the point where it's going to be too late. Because what happens is kids are now getting smartphones as early as age six. And so your sweet little Jimmy is going to school with Butch. And Butch has a smartphone and then he's going to be showing your sweet little son what he's found. And it's going to open his eyes the wrong way. and and then But Jimmy's not going to tell you when he comes home. So you have to start equipping your kids, like it or not, in an early age. You can even start open the doors. or Just talking about sex in very loose general terms at the age of six and seven. But by the time they're eight, they better know what sex is. And they need to know what it is the right way from mom and dad, not the wrong way from their friends at school. I'll tell you a story. My son... I have one son, three three girls. Son's 26 years old. When he was eight years old, I had the sex talk with him. And at the time, he said, dude, that's gross. <laughs> and then I kid you not, two weeks later after we had this talk, when he's eight years old, he goes and spends a night with a group of boys, Christian boys at a home. And he tells me that at midnight, they're watching... Sexually provocative, explicit shows. Eight years old, 18 years ago. That's before the iPhone. Parents, if you think your kids are not going to get exposed to this stuff in an early age, you are delusional and you're wrong. And you may be one of those who calls this freaked out because your sweet little boy has gotten caught looking at pictures you're not proud of, or your sweet little Cindy has gotten caught looking at pictures that you're not proud of. You have to open this up at an early age. That is the roots of the porn epidemic. And like it or not, we have to start talking to our kids. This is like living in Sodom. You have to change your perspective on life and the world we live in. You're gonna, your kids are going to get exposed to this stuff. The odds are 95% in favor of that sooner more than later. I had one woman I, I spoke at a church or a church event a little while ago. Actually it was twenty sixteen, I shouldn't say a little while ago. And after I spoke the mom came up to me right after. a mom came up to me right after the the conference and said, Hey, my thirteen year old daughter just came to me and and said that um, she <laughs> She's asking me all these questions about sex, and I don't want to answer them. And I just told her we don't want to talk about that now. And I looked at the mom, and said, "No, that you don't want to do that because, for one, she's probably already hearing about it from her friends at school, and the other, one, so you do not want that. So you want to be the one to talk to her. You want to be the one to talk to her about sex. And this this attitude and the mentality and part of the problem is with our. The church day where everything is about positive and encouraging and don't throw anyone out of their comfort zone and uh, marketing models like safe for the whole family, it's given this, this illusion that our homes are this um, purity zone that the enemy cannot get, on it, get in and mess up. And so we have to take the offensive on this. Youth groups have to start talking about this openly. Parents, you've got to take the lead in this. This is on your shoulders. Uh, I know one guy who's eight years old who told me that his dad was a pastor and he got exposed to porn by his dad's porn stash. People, this is something that has corrupted the church and it's a big reason why we've lost our salt. It's a big reason why we're losing our country and until we face our own sin, we're going to keep losing ground. The enemy is going to keep stampeding past us. So... If you need help, if you want help, give us a call, send us an email, love to talk to you. We got hope. We got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on our side. And so let's do this and let's open this up in churches.
0: Do you wanna be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Jenung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org, email us at email at blazinggrace.org, or call the office at 719-888-5144.